Welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast with Jeff Kickle. On this show, Jeff shares his expertise in financial and retirement planning from a different perspective. Planning for your Freedom Day, which is the first day that you wake up and have enough income or assets and do not have to go to work that day. Learn how to calculate what you need, how to generate income sources, and listen to interviews from others who've done it themselves. Get ready to experience your own Freedom Day. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Freedom Nation podcast. It's Jeff here again, and we have another of our freedom interviews. Uh, this one is a very interesting one because uh, my guest is actually somebody that's been an entrepreneur for quite a while. Uh, he started almost 30 years ago um, building a business and has continued to build that business over the years. But one of the areas that he realized, uh, hopefully a little bit later, but uh, but realized that is one of our principles, which means you you know yes start a business, but be the owner, not the operator. And you'll hear a little bit about his story. So today I've got Levin Yildizgoren on. Um, he's originally from Turkey, so that's where the name came from. So Levin, welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you, Jeff. It's uh, it's great to be with you, and thank you for the opportunity. You are welcome. I'm so glad to have you on today. So why don't we start off first? Tell us a little bit about your story. How did you get to where you're at today? Right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I love telling about my story. And uh, well, it's because it, when I tell the story, it enables me to go back and see, you know, what could I have done differently or <laughs> not in a questioning way, more like, a you know, it's kind of assessment. I've been... Um, as you said, I'm originally from Turkey, but I lived longer in the UK than I lived I lived in Turkey. Hmm. Um, 1995, there was an opportunity with my wife's business because originally she set up a, a boutique a translation company translating okay. from English into Turkish because okay, after giving birth to our first child, she didn't want to go back to full-time employment, but she wanted to do something. So... Okay. Yeah, we set up that that boutique uh, translation company that she she did translations for you know, just a few clients just to keep her busy and get some income coming in. Mm-hmm. 1995, there was an opportunity for larger uh, jobs, couple of jobs, and and at that point we said, right, okay. I always she knew I always wanted to join the business, you know, be in control of our 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 future, and at that point we said. Let's do it now, because if you don't do it now, we'll never do it. And at that time, that will make sound more sense now. If you, if I tell you the, tell you my age at the time, mm. I was uh, kind of uh, how old was I? <laughs> yeah, about plus thirty plus. I was thirty okay. plus. With two young children, they were young. You know, one was six, the other one was uh, two. Um, we had a house. And there was this recession in the UK, so oh. so nothing was in <laughs> in our favor. Yeah. But I had a full time job that was really good. I was you know I, I was in demand in what I was doing. But we said let's do it. If you don't do this now, and what can go wrong? We said even if it doesn't work, you'll come back and find the. You always get it. Yeah, you you can always go back and get yeah. another job yeah. at that yeah. point. I, yeah. You know, it, so we wouldn't go hungry. So we we had some money aside. We had we had the money aside for like five, six months. Okay. So, okay, then let's take that risk. And we did. Uh, and they will look back. 
Yeah. So awesome. things have things have worked out really. For people who are thinking about starting their own business, there's the element of would you agree, Jeff, that there is the element of gut feeling? Yeah. Because you can't line up everything. You can't do it like 100% safe. Well, and as much as you plan and as you know, you can build a perfect business plan. And, you know, I, I always go back to the boxer, Mike Tyson. You, right. you you always have a plan until you get punched in the face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like that. I like that. No, that's, that's very much right. Okay. You know, in my you know wisdom, after so many years, as you said, 30 years in business, would I do things differently? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because now I realize that we actually took the step forward without even a purchase order from the client. Okay. <laughs> and and you know after after three four months if they said we're not paying or we went bankrupt, we would have no no leg to stand on. So you know, <laughs> but we were so excited, we wanted to do it, and and it worked. It worked. It worked really well. So that was thirty years ago, and we realized that actually. Doing the jobs is great, but we wanted to grow the business, you know, work with people, develop teams. So that part really appealed to me. Um, so we started employing people, okay. you know, um, uh, having an office and everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, by the way, the business is translation. So okay. we translated like user guides, websites, contracts uh, for, nice. for corporate customers into many languages. Yeah. Started so you, you started hiring people with different yeah. language Freelance, skills yeah. so that you can, yeah, you can expand. Freelance translators. And we, we, we employed uh, uh, full-time project managers and, and, and quality assurance people so mm. that we could control the process. Nice. And uh, and that went on. Well, that's still going on. And, um, and we realized that actually we are following the trends. And mm. like we were talking earlier, uh, we are still in, in, in operations. We have a good reputation. We haven't, uh, uh, you know, upsetted anyone, any customers. Mm-hmm. There's no lawsuits, lawsuits. So, so you know, business is sort of solid. I, you know, we can sleep at night. That's the most important, wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah. To be able to sleep and wake up in the morning and willing to start again. You know, that's mm-hmm. the uh, that's yeah. the best feeling. You know. Well, so, and, and so you know, you you made that you made that expansion to say, okay, we're going to add people onto it. Now, were you still, the both of you, were you still really actively involved in the the actual translation work or did you kind of step into more of that owner-operator role at that point? Well, that came a few years later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that came a few years later. And um, so it was very much like um, we were, what's the word? Like there was a lot of firefighting. Okay. Because that came from not being able to do much planning because mm. we didn't have the luxury to plan. Yeah, it kind of continued that way in a in a way, and um, and you know, firefighting in in the sense that while we got a, we have a large project, if I don't get involved, mm-hmm. it may not finish. Yep. So I better be involved, and you know, but then after a few years, started. Realizing that actually, my team is keen to complete this job successfully, mm-hmm. as keen as I am. Yeah. So you know, team then then realized that actually the team building started paying off. Uh, like this year, me and my wife we took 
a month off. Nice. You know, so we didn't have to worry about um, uh, uh, business. We, we didn't receive any phone calls. We didn't, you know, so it was, it was really great. And at some point I realized, hold on, nobody's calling us. Mm. Don't they need us, you know? Yeah. But then I said, well, that's great, you know? Yeah, you, it, it, yeah, you initially go, wait a minute, something's got to be wrong. Nobody's calling me. What's going on? <laughs> and you, you finally realize, oh, my God, I actually trained a team of people that are responsible yeah. and they yeah. don't really need me to be there to make decisions for them. Yes. You know, I, yes. I, I think that's the ultimate once you get out of that. And too many entrepreneurs just never get out of that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, I, I work with a lot of them on the exit side and, you know, it's, it's a year's exercise just to get people to get out of that. I've got to be involved in every decision yeah, role yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. step back into real life. Having to, feeling to control everything. Yep. And then realize that actually, you know, you know, as we, as our children started growing, I think we kind of grew with them, you know, in a certain way. And like, like letting my child, you know, my son got school on his mm-hmm. own. And yeah. the first time they do like, what do you know? I can't hold his hand all after oh, no. I can't hold their yeah. hand all their life. So they have to do it. Then realize that actually it's working, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, no, yeah, it's no different with your yeah. employees. <laughs> yeah, you know, you've yeah, got to let them it. make mistakes and and not punish them for making mistakes. Yeah. You, yeah. you yeah. all right, what do we screw up? What do how do we fix it the next time? What is your suggestion? All right, let's move on and go. So. Jeff, Jeff, you 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 said exactly what um, what how I felt and yeah. you know creating this safe environment where people actually feel safe to yep. say that I made a mistake because yeah. the worst thing is using creativity to cover up a mistake. Mm-hmm. We are creative. I believe we are. we are all creative. We don't. We may not realize, but we are all creative. So why why not use that creativity to deliver work for customers? Mm-hmm. Use this creativity to, to delight customers, not sort of try to cover things up. Yeah. I don't blame people who try to cover it up because it's not their fault, really. That maybe companies don't make them feel safer to mm-hmm. say that I'm sorry, guys, that was my mistake. So what can we do so that it doesn't repeat again? So yeah, you said it exactly what I, how I feel. So 30 years into business, you know, what, uh, what do you, you know, what, what's the the biggest learning I would say that you've got, you've gotten over 30 years. Uh, Because not (laughs) a lot of, you know, I mean, basically 50% of businesses are gone before year five. And almost 80, I think it's 85, 87% of businesses are gone by year 10. Yeah, You've been in yeah. this business for 30 years. What what do you think was the key determinant of you lasting? Good good question. And, and thinking about it, I think depends on, you know, looking at my circumstances, mm-hmm. I think our biggest, biggest um, thing was being healthy. Yeah. Both me and my wife, we were healthy enough to continue because, mm-hmm. you know, there could be an occasion health may not be in the entrepreneur's favor. Mm-hmm. And then there's nothing much they can do about this. Yep. So we've been lucky enough to be healthy so that we could continue. And on after, of course, this is like a sort of given. And the other thing was being able to move with the times. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, since we started, a lot has changed. When I mean, I have two colleagues that we've been working with over 20 years now. Mm. And, um, and you know, I've seen when we were, I mean, now we are working remotely, but when we were in an office, I spent more time with them than I spent with my family. Mm. And, and we used to say to them, look, you know, how differently we are working compared to 10 years ago. Yeah. So that shows that actually we moved on with the times. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you know, moving to digital and, and, yeah. and going to cloud and, and changing, adapting to customer expectations, understanding what their pain points are and, and, and saying that actually our customers expect us to do this and mm-hmm. not the other way around. I know what my customers want. Yeah. You know, and if they don't like it, but it's their fault, not mine. Hmm. So, so we never had, we never adopted this. This. Um, so we've been very customer centric, and hmm. moved along to times adapting to technology as well as changing in customer expectations and requirements. Hmm. I suppose that was the two biggest factors. That uh, and also we've been lucky with our customers. Lucky in the sense that we must have chosen our customers wisely because hmm. none of them. Well, okay, we had we had two uh, unpleasant, uh, unpleasant, except for the one that went out of business at the beginning. Uh, <laughs> you know, other than two two unpleasant um, uh, things that uh, happened, you know, not nothing like this happened to our business. So we've been mm-hmm. very wise. We must have been wise choosing our customers yep. whom we worked with, and um, yeah. So so this those three factors enabled us still uh, going and and. Like I was saying earlier, you know, being able to sleep at night in peace. Yeah. And, and when, when I wake up in the morning, I want to start, switch on my PC and get started. Mm-hmm. And Monday morning is like, not like going to my bed bed. Yeah. Monday morning is exciting, you know, talking to colleagues and what had, what have what had they been up to? What projects in, in the pipeline? Mm-hmm. You know, before the pandemic, I used to go to London quite a lot. And sure. on the train Monday mornings, you look at some people, you say, are they going to be executed in two hours' time? They, <laughs> they yeah. look like, yeah. you know, and the way they posture is like, yeah. you know, oh my God. Well, and it's, it's interesting. I saw an interesting statistic um, one time. It was by the American Heart Association that more heart attacks happen between 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. on Monday mornings. <laughs> Seriously. Than any other day during the week. Seriously. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> so, so you're literally dying to go to work uh, at that point. So. Oh my God. What a way but to go. It's like I, I agree with you. I mean, I have the same thing. You know, I mean, I I I used to, and I always say this, you know, I used to live for weekends, you know. All right. When I when I was working for somebody else, it's like, man, Friday's here and I get to enjoy the weekend. And then Monday was ugh. You know, I got <laughs> I'd get this feeling in the pit of my stomach somewhere Saturday or Sunday afternoon, you know, before I'd go to work. And yeah, now, yeah. nowadays I'm like, eh, it's just another day. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, Monday's just another day. I just get in, and that's usually all the stuff that's gone over the weekend I'm dealing yeah. with. But uh, but usually, I mean, it, it gets to the point now. I mean, Monday's just another day for me. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a brilliant day. You know, yeah. you can do something new. You can try something new. Find out what's been going on. And what you said earlier is, is very interesting. Actually, I was talking yeah. about this with my family the, the other day. And leaving for the weekend yeah. may sound very attractive. Mm-hmm. But 
in a way, don't want to upset anyone, but I feel kind of sorry for people who lives for the weekend. Yep. Because what do you do when you live for the weekend? You go crazy at the weekend, especially mm-hmm. if you're not married, no family. Mm-hmm. That's the time to go crazy. Yeah. And what's that mean? Drinks, food, and a lot of other stuff. So comes Monday morning, they have no energy. Yeah. There's no energy. So that's why they hate Monday mornings. So health-wise, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Psychology is not good because weekends are for getting rest. You know, the, 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 the weekends are actually paid days. You know, the company mm-hmm. pays for those days for people sure. to get rest, spend time with their families, energize, you know, catch up. Be ready for Monday. And, be ready yeah. for Monday. And, and yeah. you know, look after yourself, look after your family, look after the people around you. Mm. You know, so when they do this, live for the weekend and go crazy at the weekend, that's, that's not healthy at all. Not at all. So let's talk a little bit about you. You wrote a book this last year and you've got a podcast that really kind of talks about global business. And I, I would assume with yours, it is kind of a global business because yeah. you yeah. You're, you're working with clients who have global businesses. So you get a little bit of a look inside. So tell me a little bit about the book and, and really some of your thoughts on global business. So if somebody's listening to this and they're you know they're mainly just a local you know local in whatever country they live in what is that kind of next step that you've seen from your clients and yourself oh thank you thank you well this um this the book is something that i've been thinking about for for a number of years mm-hmm. to, to since 2017 or 18 okay. that's because we realized that actually we accumulated a lot of knowledge in going international, mm-hmm. global trade, sure. how to go global, you know, what are the factors that enable somebody to be successful? We realized that actually we, we sort of put together a lot of information. I mean, we are a small business, mm-hmm. but about 30% of our income comes from international customs. Okay. And that has been such a... Um, um, a good factor to rely on during recessionary times mm-hmm. because when the uh, domestic market goes down, the international market can help you to pick up, pay the bills, still continue with the, with the business. So, so we had this pleasant experience ourselves. And looking at international trade, I mean, is there any global brand that is not international? Uh, but I mean, global brand, okay, it's, it's a loaded question, really. But what I meant is, is there any large brand that everyone knows that is not international? Would Apple be Apple if they only said, we will not, you know, do business outside the USA? I mean, more than half of their business comes internationally. Hmm. Samsung and, and, and all these famous brands, Airbnb. Mm. If you if you if you look at Airbnb's growth, I mean, at one point they were almost going to go bankrupt, and yeah, because the money was running out, and then they 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 now offer language forty six languages on their website. Wow. So somebody in Korea can actually use it, thinking that it's a Korean application. Mm-hmm. Someone in the UK or Turkey or Mozambique, they know that they feel at home with the application. So it's done with the international audience in mind mm-hmm. uh, facebook facebook's growth is is 
is very striking. The moment they started going over 1 billion users, that's when they started adding languages. Mm -hmm. uh, so languages played the, the biggest part in their growth. So, you know, thinking about this and, and looking at some of our customers, and I said, okay, if you write a book, that should be helpful because what is lacking? I've seen examples of customers trying to sell it to another market and failing. And when you fail, okay, it costs money. But mm -hmm. also it costs motivation. The people lose motivation because they had a bad experience. And, and they say, we'll never do this again. <laughs> when, when you look at the reasons behind it, they never did a proper market research. They never yeah. uh, looked at the country's uh, cultural and language and, and expectations. So, so they said, we got a product here. That's really good. Um, you know, it works in, in my domestic market, so it'll work anywhere without taking into account any cultural, local expectations. So the book about book is about global global um, growth, and it introduces a, a methodology that I, I put together. I call it Lingo. It's five okay. steps, and starting from market research to going operational, it basically sets a structure for a company to follow. It's not rocket science, mm -hmm. but it needs to be done in, in sequence. The people who are not successful is because they are missing, they're, they're cutting corners. So yeah. uh, let's not worry about, um, everybody speaks English. So let's give him English uh, marketing materials. Come mm -hmm. on, you know, everyone knows this product. And, and um, you know, and the ones that go very successful in their global reach is because they look at each market as if they're only market. Mm -hmm. And they never try to push products to the local audience without yeah. checking their cultural preferences. I mean, you know, KFC, you have KFC in the in the we States, do. yeah? Yep. Kentucky Fried Chicken. KFC does afternoon tea in Shanghai. Yeah. I mean, afternoon tea is like, you know, scone with a, with a jam and then, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's almost like a dessert. In the UK, it's unheard of. You know, okay. what? <laughs> you eat chicken and stuff like that. Fried mm -hmm. chicken in, in KFC. But sure. in Shanghai, they, they do it. Dunkin' Donuts, you know, they do seaweed uh, <laughs> flavored donuts in China. So, yeah. so those successful brands cater for for the for the local local uh, local audience. And mm -hmm. so the book is very much has they gives examples and uh, success stories and most importantly the the methodology. So okay. yeah, so that's uh, that's all well, I'm And I would assume in your business, so you know, if you're let's say you're translating from English to Turkish, your your first language, is there like is there di different dialects within Turkish, and is there kind of a standard formal dialect that you would use or is it no it's a good very good question because yeah. in like in english yeah you would call anyone you you know even like if you're even addressing to president of the united states yeah. you say you mm -hmm. addressing to your wife you say you yeah there's in high context cultures there's a different form of you yep there's informal speak and there's formal speech mm -hmm. so if 
the document uses the wrong form, mm-hmm. it can actually uh, backfire on the target audience. Sure. It's so important. So, um, yes, the formality, if we are, say, translating for uh, mid-level executives, uh-huh. ages from like, you know, 45 to 55 or 40 to 55, then we need to take a, a tone suitable for them uh-huh. in line with the businesses um, uh, existing uh, publications. Yeah. So that, you know, you can't have, if you, if you take like Airbnb example, you look at Airbnb, it's the same same tone of voice, same way they speak to their customers, but Regardless, yeah. making sure that it is um, it's friendly, mm-hmm. but in line with the cultural expectations. Excellent. So that's what a translated document has to do. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll backfire. Yeah, and well, that, that's customers... the thing. I mean, you, you're the one that makes them or, or helps them represent themselves properly in that market yeah, and everything yeah, else because yeah. i i could think you know i've had it's funny because i i employ a uh a virtual assistant in the philippines and she is absolutely i mean she she can get american you know from a written standpoint she can get american english really close but ever so often there's just some she words yeah, something yeah. a little weird and i'll catch it and it's like eh, it's not really it worded that happen. way yeah or that's kind of a weird way that you worded that but yeah and like, if you look at UK English and USA English, oh, it, you know, yeah, I was totally different. speaking yeah. with somebody, they said, you know, I was in a room with men full of with suspenders. Mm. Now, I knew what he meant, mm-hmm. but in the UK, when you say men with suspenders, because suspenders in the UK is used for women's lingerie. Okay. Oh, <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, you know, we would call this braces. Braces, you know? yeah. So that's what he meant. I knew, but but you yeah. know, it could be misunderstood easily. And hey, there's so there's so many examples. I mean, you in guys today's probably... world, Levin, that actually could be true. I'm just saying. But, uh, <laughs> I really don't need to know. <laughs> I mean, you guys call it candy. Yeah. But in in the UK, you know, candy doesn't mean anything. Hmm. Okay, some people who have the you know because of the American TV sure. travel to America. They may understand it, but that's not the point. The point is, from the marketing material point of mm-hmm. view, to get the consumer take action. Yeah, that is like often translated into making a purchase. Mm-hmm. So if you don't if you don't feel warm to the uh, product, you won't purchase it. Why? Absolutely. Because we have so many options. Yeah. Whereas forty years ago, there was not many options. So people will, you know, people had to buy. Because that wasn't an option, but now there's so many options. Yeah, consumers, businesses have. If if I if I fail, if I don't come across to my potential customer as as positive and competent, they'll go somewhere else. So so I you know making that first impression the right way with the right language, right tone of voice is is so important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's fantastic. So is there anything new in your business coming up? Well, um, interestingly, since the pandemic, you know, we always had offices. We worked in offices. We have, by the way, we have an office in in Turkey and we have an office in the UK. Headquarters, of course, is in the UK. UK. And I could never imagine myself not going to the office. 
even mm-hmm. though my my office was only like <laughs> three miles away from my home. And um, but since the pandemic, we now offices, so we work from from okay. home. So remote working is become a kind of a norm, and mm-hmm. and we are trying to make things um, that will is likely to compensate for that human interaction. Okay. Uh, you know, we 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 had like um, summits. We call them summits. So we got mm-hmm. together, you know, in a, in a holiday resort somewhere, spent three four days, and. So we're trying to find those ways, and we are in the process of doing that at the moment. So what mm-hmm. else can we do? Uh, because we, the colleagues are kind of scattered uh, in number of places. So what's new is really um, going with the technology and what's going on is this, this. We are trying to get around to explaining machine translations to our to our okay. customers and potential potential customers. Mm-hmm. Um, there are ways that can actually help uh, clients. It's not for everyone, but okay. if it is for a customer, if it is going to benefit them, then we'd like to be able to offer it to them. So, mm-hmm. um, so we've now we, we've just got the ISO certification, machine translation, post editing, and we are we are working more on this. It is our. It comes from our core value that you know, customer is in the center of everything. And and we want to deliver value. We want to delight our customers. So if they can benefit more from machine translation with post editing, that's what we want to do. Mm. It it may mean less money for us, but in the long run, our customers will benefit. And when they yeah. do, uh, the other day, what really made me really emotional, uh, one of our customers won has won the Queen's Award for Enterprise the second time. Wow. And this is a big accolade. You know, it's not easy to 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 win that award. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, win, to win it once, is, to win it twice. Yeah. That's amazing. And, yeah. it, and it was the thirtieth. Uh, funny enough, that it was the thirtieth or thirty fifth anniversary, mm-hmm. and we congratulated them. And and one of the guys' management, they said, "Well, guys, you know, you played a part in this. Mm-hmm. You've been working together for years, and so thank you." And it really made me emotional. And yeah. I didn't look at it that way. I said, well, they won the award. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. They said, well, actually, you helped us to win yeah. the award. Well, you're part of the wow. team. Yeah, I mean, which yeah. which is cool. I mean, that, yeah, that just says, and and the fact that they appreciate that you were part of that team that yeah. helped them yeah. get there. Yeah. That, and it was, you know, I really felt emotional. I said, yeah. wow, you know, I didn't look at it that way. And actually, yes, they, they, they acknowledged this. And they said, yeah, that made... That made our day. <laughs> That's awesome. That is super cool. All right. Well, let's uh, let's shift gears and go into yep. the fast five questions now. Yeah, right. All right. I'm looking ready? forward to that. <laughs> All right. So number one, you wake up in the morning. Business is totally gone. You still have the information in your head. You have $500 in your pocket, laptop, computer, place to live, food and clothing. What are you going to do first? Right. Okay. <laughs> First, I think I have to gather my thoughts together so that I'm not in a panic mode because panic mm-hmm. mode is no good mode. And um, and work on my strongest point. Mm. Okay, 500 pounds of dollars in my pocket, laptop. Yeah. So what can I do? Maybe consultancy or training. Okay. Move, move forward with that because something that can actually 
deliver value to somebody who is in a, who's been in a similar position. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love that. Well, and it's, you know, it's kind of how you started to begin with. Let's, let's yeah, go out yeah, and yeah. consult with so people you, and build a business. Going back to yeah. <laughs> 30 years yeah. ago. <laughs> Just, you know, faster this time. Okay. Let me find yeah, other people yeah. to do the work and I'll, I'll manage the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Second question. What's the biggest business mistake you've ever made? Well, there have been numbers. There many. There have been many. I must. I must admit, none of them were little. None of them yeah. were like that. That made you sort of ah, oh God, I've how, how will I go out of the house? You know, yeah. none of them were like that. But one of one of the mistakes that that I realize now, in a hindsight, that not having a niche, mm. and I mean niche, I mean like even micro niche. Say, for instance. If you're thinking about, if you think about, say, medical translations, okay. Again, this is not a niche; it's very general. So, mm-hmm. within medical translations, do you mean ed- and medical devices? Do you mean, mm-hmm. you know, pharmaceuticals? Do you mean clinical trials? If it is medical devices, what sort of medical devices? So, I thought, and I'm coming across this mistake from many, many others that covering multiple uh, subjects i thought it would make us more accessible to clients mm-hmm. and it has in a certain level but to go to the level that i wanted to grow the business now i know that it's the niche that is required and mm-hmm. even a micro niche micro niche and now i know in a hindsight you know being wiser after 30 years that actually having a micro niche doesn't stop people coming to you for for other stuff. Yeah, you know. So that, yeah, they're that they're going to come to you. Yeah, you know, you're you're going to get them. It's just you're not your marketing directly to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so wonderful. this 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 is something that I wish I'd known. <laughs> you know, many a couple of decades ago, perhaps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you survived for thirty years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. yeah. <laughs> What is a good book that you would recommend for our audience? Well, again, the one that has made, you know, that I could name like 20 books, but one that made the biggest impact because at the time I was thinking about how to structure the business, how to find a way to, um, you know, strategize because, you know, we were, we, we still do it like employing 10 people. So, it's okay. It's not like hundred people, but it's mm. not. It's not a small team. It's like, you know, two, not two, three people. So ten requires structure. Uh-huh. The book Traction yep. by Gene Gene Wickman. Yep. Gino Gino Wickman. Yeah, yeah, Gino Wickman. Wickman. Yeah, you know, made a um, a very very in, in sort of striking uh, uh, impact on me, and we, I found myself setting up things according to the book. So that was. Yeah. That was something that I would recommend to Love that. any entrepreneur who wants to grow the business. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's it's one of those things that it when I first read it, I, I had a much smaller business and I, I looked at it and went, ah, when am I ever going to need most of this? You know, because yeah, all yeah. they would talk about, oh, well, you know, you need to have these team meetings and all this. And yeah, yeah, I'm like, okay, yeah. there's three of us. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah, I, right, I, yeah. I, I found the wisdom of it when we crested over 10 people that, yeah, we need to, 
everybody needs to be on the same page here and we yeah, need to be yeah. pulling forward. So yeah, I, yeah. I went back to that book later on. Uh, <laughs> what is a good tool that you use in your business every day? And I always give the example of like an Evernote in my life. Well, definitely Evernote is, is one that mm -hmm. I keep uh, I keep going back. And um, this, this, I mean, number of tools we use is, is like almost required by customers so it's not okay. our, our, our choice but one thing that makes my life very uh, convenient is using a password manager <laughs> because i mean how many times do we waste time trying to find passwords and yes. how many times do we see people you know using one two three four five or their birthday for for their you know, credit cards. <laughs> Everything is worse. One of my one of my clients came in a few weeks ago, and I said, "Well, you know, let's let's log on to your account." And she's opening up her little like the little diary that she's got, and she's got all of them written down in her diary. And it's like, oh my god, this is. If you ever lose that, everybody's going to have, or whoever yeah, stole it is yeah. going to have every password you have out there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I totally agree. Finally shifted to that. I shifted to one that's a specific password manager uh, recently, and I, I can't live without now. I mean, it yeah, just yeah, makes yeah. life so much easier. And it makes everything safer. Yep. It tells you if there's a du duplicate password and mm -hmm. if it's weak or stuff like that. And so, yeah. So, uh, it was that's a awesome. I love it. <laughs> revelation. Yeah. So, last question. What is your definition of freedom? I love that question, uh, Jeff, because... Um, Almost, it 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 reminds me of how do you describe being rich, hmm. you know? So 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 there's a kind of correlation there. So definition for me is that um, being healthy and money that enables me to do what I what I need to do. For instance. Hmm. Um, if it is my grandson's birthday and, and he wants something, that present, and it costs X amount of money, if I, buy, if I can buy this one, mm -hmm. then, then for me, that's, that's the definition. And because somebody said to me once, you know, people who don't plan things, they could end up being the richest person in a cemetery. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I said, I don't want to be that person. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't want to be that person. So, so really, being able to do things enjoyably and also have freedom to enjoy something that I want to do, like mm. taking a month off. Yeah. That, is, that is for me freedom. Yeah, with, without having to think about it and say, well, maybe I should or I shouldn't do it. You just do it because you want to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that answer, my friend. Well, thank Levin, you. thank you very much for being on the show. I really appreciated you and uh, and just a wonderful conversation. Thank you, Jeff. Likewise, I totally enjoyed that. Yeah. Truly, truly uh, loved uh, getting to know you here. So thank you very much. And folks, uh, as always, we publish these shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So make sure that you keep an eye out for that and make sure that you subscribe to the channel, whether you are listening to us or whether you are watching Levin and I today, uh, make sure that you subscribe to the channel. And if you can, share it with somebody else. Uh, so thanks again. We'll see you guys back here the next time. 
All the best, Jeff. Thank you. All right, my friend. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Nation podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts and all the major channels. Wherever you're listening, please subscribe to the channel and leave a rating and review. If you have friends and family that could benefit from their own Freedom Day, please share with them. Finally, join Freedom Nation by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 